Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast, presented by Ragged Foils Productions. I'm your host, Natalie, and I've got a little bit of a cold this week, so please excuse my voice sounding a bit bunged up. I hope you've enjoyed the season so far, and thank you so much to everyone who's retweeted, shouted about it, or got in touch to let us know how much you've enjoyed it. It warms my cockles, it does, and it makes me feel vindicated that the time spent spreadsheeting was worth it. Later in this episode, we look in on a couple reuniting after an extended break in Home by Nick Maynard. And I chat to Nick himself about his inspirations and the significance of having a queer theatre practice now in 2019. But first, we head to an abandoned churchyard in an undefined time and place for About a Girl by Rhiannon Owens. Starring Blake Kubena as the narrator, Samantha Bayart as the girl and Rosemary Lippard as the lady, this piece was directed by our sound engineer, designer, director and all-round awesome woman extraordinaire, Kirsty Gilmore. Now, when relevant, I've been popping content warnings into the show notes for the episodes and I will continue to do that for mild topics or themes, but in more prominent cases I'll let you know before the piece plays of anything you need to know. Such as this piece which is not explicit or gruesome, but... It's perhaps not suitable for work on the grounds of sexualised descriptions of characters, reference to genitalia and swearing. So maybe don't play it over the speakers at the gym, maybe. Or on the train. Or do. I'm not your mother. Either way, enjoy. Despite its arguably small size, the old Norman church loomed large in the town of Coldhaven. And yet, now she thought about it, the girl couldn't remember ever seeing anyone going in or out of it. Stranger still, she realized that the church didn't seem to have a name. Weren't they all called St. Mary's or St. Michael's or some such saint or other? Everyone simply referred to it as the church. Despite there being more than one church in the town, and even then, only ever in the context of a landmark, no one ever actually went there. Until, that is, today. With the girl finding herself outside the front door, about to go in. What the hell am I doing? She exclaimed to herself. She turned to leave, but as she did, the phone call played over again in her mind. Wait, who is this? I know. I know everything. About the tape, the photos. Uh, I... Tonight. Eleven o'clock. Alone. She kicked herself for not having asked more questions. Who the hell was this woman? Did she really know anything? Did she have any proof? Foolish to panic and come to this abandoned place alone in the dark. The girl was striking... Tall and slender with large, dark eyes and rich, dark, cascading hair that tumbled about her shapely shoulders. She was used to attracting attention and had learned early not to behave so recklessly. What would she have done if it had been a male voice on the phone, she thought? Maybe dressed a little more sexy and hoped to flirt her way out of the situation. Uh, the girl steeled herself 
and reached for the large oak doors and pushed. They were heavy. She thought for a moment they might be locked until at last they gave way with a silence she found disconcerting. The girl took a breath and strode into the church with a confidence she did not feel, hoping to prove to this mystery person that they had not gotten to her. She was immediately struck by the emptiness of the place, like a vacuum that almost seemed to draw the air from her lungs. She tried to call out. Hello? The sound seemed to echo and disappear almost simultaneously. She waited, but there was no answer. She called again, a little more unsure. Hello? She was again met with silence. Beneath her pert breasts, her heart began to beat a little faster. She called out once more. Really? Uh, she called again. <sighs> Hello? Silence still. She checked her watch. 11.01 p.m. A cold breeze licked at her neck as her nipples became erect and her buttocks tensed. She stepped further into the church, her hips swaying, effortlessly sexy as if teasing the air around her. What? Shh. Sorry, but... Shh. You don't talk now. I know. It's just... What? Where is this going? Let's get on and find out, shall we? <clears throat> she walked off, caressing the... What? Not yet. I just... I don't want to get into this if it's... It, it, it just doesn't sound like it's the sort of story I was expecting. How so? The way you're talking about me. I'm simply describing you, my dear. The listener needs to get a picture of what you look like. I understand that. So? But you're not just doing that. I think you'll find, young lady, that that is exactly what I'm doing. Do you need to talk about my breasts and my bum? Only in so much as it pertains to the story. The erectness of my nipples is pertinent. I'd say very pertinent. The listener must also get a sense of your state of mind, and I am painting a picture of fear. My nipples are scared. Please, don't be obtuse. It is a sign of increased blood flow, of the fight or flight. Well, maybe the listener should get a picture of your state of mind. As his anger rose, his heart beat beneath his firm pecs, and his penis became erect. That's quite enough of that, young lady. I have never... <laughs> you are being so unprofessional. The listener does not need to know about my private parts. Oh, but they need to know about mine. Yours are relevant to the story. Mine are not. How? You must be seen in contrast to the other young lady who the listener is to meet shortly. Hi. Yes, that's me. Sorry to interrupt this... whatever this is. But are we going to be getting to my bit soon? This story seems to have completely lost the plot. Yes, indeed. I've managed to hide this this discussion behind a dramatic pause for now, but there is only so much I can do to manipulate things, and it will shortly become more of an awkward hiatus. Of course. I am more than happy to continue. Great. When he ceases this intimate commentary... He really is just doing his job. You should try being a little less sensitive. I am not being bloody sensitive. I'm asking him to stick to the bloody story. It's part of the bloody story. All right, calm down, girls. Oh, and while I'm at it, why am I being referred to as the girl? <sighs> Must I explain everything? 
It is simply a dramatic function to preserve the mystery of your identity a little longer. The only mystery I can see is why you're referring to a grown woman as if she's a 12-year-old. And then with all the sexual language thrown in, it really is a bit icky. Are you trying to tell us something? Excuse me? Does it really matter? If he's a paedophile... Oh, for goodness sake! Does it really matter by what name you're referred to? Oh, it's okay for you! You're the lady! You'll both be assigned names soon enough, if we ever get to that part. Why is she the lady? Why not the woman or that blackmailing swine? Again, we are painting a picture. We are simply putting her in contrast to you. Meaning I'm not a lady. Meaning she is well-spoken, educated, and conservatively dressed. Oh, wow. We will then subvert the listener's expectations when she turns out to be not quite so ladylike as we imagined. Look, babe, I know you want to make your little point, but he is just doing his job. It is just a story. It's really not that important, so can we please just move on? Yes, thank you. And you would do well to remember that as narrator, you do, in a sense, work for me. Oh, do I now? I was under the impression that as the protagonist, I had some importance. Only the importance that I give you. Well, good luck telling the story without me. I'm sorry about her. She really is being quite ridiculous. No matter. If you won't tell the story as I see fit, then I shall just have to change the story. What does that mean? <clears throat> Despite the coolness of the church, the girl felt a single bead of sweat trickle down her neck and between her ample bosoms. Oh, come on! She snaked her way further into the church and stopped suddenly as she came to a precipice, looking down into the ancient burial vaults below. How this had come to be here, she did not know. But she worried now that the church was not quite as structurally sound as it appeared. At this moment, the lady stepped forward from the shadows. You shouldn't have come here. You've made it far too easy. Before the girl could even react, the lady stepped forward and pushed her hard. What the? Sending the girl tumbling into the darkness below. The, the lady continued to laugh. <laughs> I am here with Rhiannon Nowen, the author of About a Girl. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing background? Um, yes, I basically had a normal life and a normal job and then I went to drama school then I tried a bit of acting and then I started writing well actually I started writing when I was I don't know what age I used to write and write and write song lyrics and poetry and all kinds of random stuff and then life happened and I forgot about it really <laughs> and then suddenly I got remind. I don't know I don't even know what reminds me of writing but then I started again and I was like oh yeah I like this so <laughs> I, oh, I might be well. I might be quite good at that I should do more <laughs> have you mostly written theatre or do you do novel writing or anything like that yeah I'm on my 15th novel no um <laughs> I've written mostly just short plays at the moment just um just a lot of like new writing nights it's mostly comical theatre work at the moment 
short and sweet. And for those of you who haven't seen or heard any of Rhiannon's writing before, she mentioned doing a lot of new writing scratch nights and things. They always go down really well. I am a little bit biased because we've known each other a while, but they are some of my favourite pieces. Thanks. Um, so audio, that it's not a typical medium for you to write in then? No, definitely not. No. So it was a different challenge. You have to keep it interesting enough that it doesn't matter. You can't see anything. And obviously you have to kind of spark people's imagination um, so that they can picture things in their mind without having to like, you don't want to be like feeding them things like going, mm. oh, and by the way, there's a blue sky there kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just being able to spark their imagination and not have to rely on like visuals and things like that. Yeah. So moving back to uh, the piece about a girl, some of the descriptions of the girl are, well, they're eye-wateringly personal. And I mean, sadly, I've definitely seen real life examples of writing similar to this. Was your piece based on any specific examples of, of terrible descriptions of female characters? Not really specific, not from specific books. It's just things that stuck in my mind, things about the hair. I'm like, there's always these impossible descriptions of women's hair that's tumbling and cascading. And I'm like, I find it really hard to picture these women with all this hair because they're just not real. But, you know, it's just examples that I remember or that I've seen in social media, people like going, oh, God, look at this sort of thing. I mean, this is a problem we see uh, not only in fiction, but supposedly journalistic writing, too, all the time. When Theresa May came into power or she was um, up against Amber Rudd and I think the Daily Mail was talking about their shoes or something ridiculous rather than these yeah. women who were potentially going to be PM. Um, other than calling newspapers out, do you think is there anything we can do? to change things for me for me for everything it comes back to like going right back to the beginning and how we think about the two sexes from the moment that they're born it's just immediately we put them in two camps and we make them separate and we make girls pretty and sparkly and unicorns and pink and blah, blah, blah. and boys are all tractors and trucks and these are pretty girls and clever boys or funny mm. boys or whatever and it's just from that the very grassroots of how we think about men and how we think about women it's just so like because you you think oh well if we do this like we tell people not to do that then that will fix it it's like well no because we still in this other part of our life we think about women and men like this so it's mm. kind of you just you, you keep picking it backwards and picking it backwards it's from the very very beginning how we just immediately think about girls differently. It's one of those awful habits you just slip into, isn't it? Maybe you visit a friend's child, their, their daughter, and you say, oh, hello, oh, you look beautiful today. And it's just one of those things that you don't think is damaging. And obviously it's a compliment, but yeah. it's not necessarily a helpful compliment, especially if that's the only thing they're hearing. Yeah, I think it's kind of one of those things you have to like actually make it something you think about to start with so that it does become something that you don't think about. So you have to make an effort to be like, well, that's really clever. Oh, well done. As opposed to going, oh, you beautiful. Think about it and make an effort. And also say the boys are pretty now and again, you know? Yeah. They're cute too. It's kind of the, one of those things where we, we actively have to try and think, change for ourselves, discuss it with our friends, just change people's thinking as we go along. So that being said, I mean, that's um, on the, the slightly more, I suppose, polite end of the scale. But obviously you dig into some very explicit descriptions um, and do you, the, these sexual descriptors, do you think they would be OK in a novel if they were used in relation to all genders? Or do you think it would only be 
appropriate in the context of stories that dealt with sex. Um, I think it's okay to sexualize things that are sexual. Um, it's just, I don't know why we're sexualizing things that aren't. You know, if you're going to the supermarket, it, it, you're not doing it in a sexual way, you know. And I think it's okay and it's healthy. When you go to the supermarket, maybe. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I know how you shop, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's healthy, obviously, you know, it's fine, like in context, but I don't think that we need to sexualize things that aren't sexual, like, because it's just irrelevant. And I think if you just like, if you put it in the other way, and we're like, and his, his member was erect, and la la la, and it sounds ridiculous, then don't do it for the woman. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair enough. So I'm going to leave it there. Where can people find you? So I can be found on Twitter and I'm at Rhiannon T. Owens. Um, so I usually tweet out everything that I'm doing heavily in a kind of pushy way. <laughs> what we like. Well, thank you very much. Thanks again to Rhiannon and apologies about the recording quality on the interview there. couple of shout outs again for you this week. Blake Kubena, who you just heard as the narrator there, is going to be appearing in the first episode of Season 6 of Vikings, coming soon, so keep a beady eye out for him there. For London-based listeners who want to leave the house to go see a thing, Luke DeBelder, starring in our next piece, is making an appearance in A Curious Night of Music and Art, run by Curious Tales Theatre Company, on Friday the 29th of November, 7.30pm at the Chapel Playhouse near King's Cross. And, very last minute, especially if you're not listening on release day, tomorrow night, Friday the 11th of October, is Blackshaw Scare Slam. Now, I mentioned it in the first episode as something you might like to go see. Now, there's even more reason to go see it because I am going to be in it. I'm going to be performing Bed for Sale, Excellent Condition, written by Nikki O'Hare. The Scare Slam starts at 9.30pm at the Pleasance Theatre, London. Give me a shout if you're coming and I'll make sure to say hi in the bar afterwards. Let's see if my voice has recovered by then. Now, on to our second piece. Coming home can be difficult, especially when it's for the last time. Home was written by Nick Maynard, directed by Scott Lacrasse and stars Robert Nairn as Chris and Luke DeBelder as Andy. Do you need a hand with that? No, I'm fine. Come here. I said I can manage. It's good to see you. How was your journey? Oh, you know. Nothing's changed. No, everything's just as you left it. I remember that. My God, you kept it. Of course. It was our first date. My God. All that time ago. Who'd have thought it? We talked all night. I was so tired the next morning. But it was magical. I knew the moment I saw you, you were the one. I wasn't your type. No one thought we'd last, but we did. Look at us now. Yeah. You must be tired. The hot water's on. I got you some juice and that bread you like. It's all in the fridge. And there's some snacks in the cupboard if you'd prefer. I got you Oreos and a big bar of dairy milk. My God, you've become a feeder. And there's some Ben and Jerry's in the freezer. I haven't had that for years. You used to like caramel choo-choo. 
Did I? I can't remember. Time goes by so fast. Do you think so? I don't think it goes by fast enough. It seems like forever since I last saw you. I know. So what have you been doing with yourself then? Not much. I, I organised a Sunday dinner with the family tomorrow at that little restaurant you like. I thought you might like that. I shouldn't imagine you've had a Sunday roast in a while and I thought it would probably be one of those things you'll have missed while you're away. Yeah. I'm throwing too much at you, aren't I? I'll shut up. You can do what you want. I can cancel the dinner if you like, it's not a problem. You just say. I know you've probably got lots of things you want to do. And you want to go see your mum at some point, won't you? So, you just say what you want to do and we'll take it from there. I'm just tired, that's all. I know. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. What time did you set off? Oh, I don't know. It seems so long ago now, I can't remember. And how is it? I bet you miss all this, don't you? Some of it. It's just different. It's hard to explain. I don't miss it like you'd think. So you've settled in okay? Yeah. You don't talk about it. I don't know what to say. It's great. It's everything I dreamt it would be. I miss you. I know. You're supposed to say I miss you too. I do. So why didn't you say it? I, I didn't get a chance. I'm sorry. It's just that I haven't seen you or spoken to you in months. You don't know what it's been like being here without you. You're away living this wonderful life and I'm still here in our home trying to get by without you. It's difficult and I see you everywhere. We made a life here together and now I'm living it alone. It's not easy. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I, I just want you to know that everything's exactly as you left it before you went away. Nothing's changed. I can see. But it's not like it was, is it? I'll sort out the shower. Chris? I know what you're like. You get cranky when you're tired. You'll feel better once you've had a shower and something to eat. What do you fancy? Chris, stop. I can order a takeaway. I've still got that menu for that place you used to like. I don't know if it's still going, but we can give it a call and find out. Chris, listen. What? I haven't come here to upset you. You're not. But we need to talk. No, we don't. That was the thing about us that made us special. We never needed to talk. We just knew. You said I was the love of your life. And I know that I'll never love anyone the way I love you. You are the one. Things change. No, they don't. Only if you let them. I can't live my life on hold anymore. Then don't. I'm doing this for you. I didn't ask you to. You didn't need to. I knew you the moment I met you. You knew me. It was like I'd been waiting all my life for you. And you said that at last you'd found someone who got you. You didn't have to bottle things up anymore. It was like you'd been holding your breath for so long and finally you could breathe again. Do you remember? Of course I remember. You said, with me, you didn't have to pretend anymore. And I didn't. And that doesn't mean anything anymore? This doesn't mean anything anymore? 
I know what you're like. Do you? You've got this idea that now, somehow, you don't need this anymore. Maybe I don't. This is what you do. You make these wild, sweeping claims. Uh, oh, I'm not going to smoke again. I'm becoming vegetarian. I want to take up scuba diving. I want to be an astronaut. And then, ten minutes later, there you are. Same as you were before. That's not true. Isn't it? Maybe once upon a time, but not anymore. I've changed. People change. Not that much. People only change if they have to. Then maybe I had to. You always used to pretend that you didn't care about anything. Really? I don't remember. But I know, deep down inside, you do. Maybe too much. Maybe more than me. You were the one that did emotion better than me. That's what made us work so well. I just wish you'd had the courage to tell your mum. She doesn't need to know. I remember the time you had that argument with her on the phone. I told you then that was the time you should have told her. That's never going to happen. Why? Surely she must have worked it out by now. Maybe. But if she doesn't ask, then she doesn't know. And everyone gets along. Everyone's happy. Really? It's like Schrodinger's cat. Until it's one way or another, I can be anything she wants me to be. But what about you? What about me? You can't live a lie all your life. I'm not living a lie. This is just part of my life that doesn't concern her or my family. She isn't part of this. You always said that you'd tell her one day when the time was right. There's never going to be a right time for that. I've spent my whole life trying to make her proud of me and now she is. I can't do anything to ruin that. She doesn't ask and I don't tell her. Those are the rules. That's what I mean. You say one thing and then you change your mind. If you say so. I can't remember. It was such a long time ago. People change, but fundamentally, they stay the same. There's that saying, isn't there? Uh, give me the boy until he's seven and I'll give you the man. No matter how much we try, by the age of seven, we're pretty much the person we're going to be from there on in. I don't think that's true. I've changed. I'm not the same person I used to be. So who are you now? I don't know. Different. How? I told you, I don't know. I just am. Then talk to me, so I can understand. What's the point? What do you mean, what's the point? I love you. That's the point. I want to know you, for God's sake, to be part of your life. I'm not your bloody mother. You wouldn't understand. Great. Thanks. That's what you think, is it? I couldn't possibly understand your life anymore because I'm so out of touch with everything. That's not what I meant. Look, things change. Things move on. I get that. But you don't. You haven't. It's like you're living in some time warp or something. I stayed here so that you could go out there and do this. So that you had something to come back to if it didn't work out. I know. I stayed here for you. Don't you think I wanted to come with you? I know. So many times I said I wanted to come out and join you, and you said, wait. So I did. I waited, and I waited, and you said, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. And I believed you. I didn't worry. 
I thought everything was going to be okay, and the months went by, and I still believed you. And I waited, and I waited. I allowed you to do that, to be who you've become. This is your home. But I have a new home now. And it isn't here anymore. But this is where you belong. Not anymore. Truth is, I probably never did. If I stayed here, I'd have been trapped. I would have been unhappy, wondering what if. And in the end, I would have ended up resenting you for it. Then let me come with you. I can't. There isn't a place for you there. Then I'll make one. I can change. No, you can't. You said it yourself. People can't change. But I want to. Why? You're happy being here. Not without you. I'm not. You shouldn't change just because of me. You should be doing this because you want to. I do want to. I can't remember what my life was like before I met you. And I don't want to think about what it would be like if you're not there to share it with. Don't do this. You can't let the fear of the unknown stop you from moving on. I'm not frightened of moving on. I'm frightened of losing you. And what if that's already happened? I don't belong here anymore. I'm sorry, I should go. Go where? Home. This is your home. I'll get a hotel. That's silly. No. Coming back here was... I'm here with Nick Maynard, the writer of Home, the piece you've just listened to. Hello, Nick. Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Tell us about the the wider Nick Maynard. Gosh, um, how long have we got? I've been creating stories, I think, Mm. since I was very young. Um, Mm. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I like my own company. So I Mm. I would create stories. Then when I started school, I realised that stories could actually mean that I could stop in during playtime and not have to play out. <laughs> so I used to create stories and I used to uh, get some of the other kids to, to be in the stories. And then it sort of morphed into this idea that I was some sort of megalomaniac and I could create my own worlds um, and I could have things turn out exactly the way that I wanted them to. And then I made a living out of it for a little while. Um, so yes, I've always told stories for uh, for personal reasons. <laughs> and have you have you always stuck to audio or theatre, or do you have you written novels as well? My background's in theatre, so it's always going to be there. Um, mm. But recently, um, I've been working on a book that should be published in uh, in February. I'm all excited. Originally, it was a stage play, mm. and I adapted it into into a novel. Um, a, it's, I call it a broken book because of the way that it's, it's written. Uh, so it's quite theatrical as a piece. Mm. What's your favourite thing that you've written? Um, I write what I feel that I need to write. 
Um, and it's just something, I get an idea and I can feel it buzzing around. Like I was saying before, I think it's more therapy than anything else. If I don't write it down, it rattles around in my head. So I have to write it down to get it out of my head. This sounds as though I'm mad, I think it's it? a creative process that a lot of people go through. I'm glad about that because yeah. sometimes I think it's just me. But yeah, I have to get it on paper. Otherwise, it will keep me up at night. And it does. Things do keep me up at night. But if I write them down, it goes and I feel better. But I suppose the basis of it is that I will write anything. And what I look for is the queer angle. Yeah. Um, so I've got some guys that are working on a, a piece of mine about um, a, a suicide bomber. Mm. And the twist is that he's gay. And looking at a contemporary issue, but queering it is something that, that I do. So I'll have a go at anything in any genre, in any way, but I will queer it up. <laughs> Good. Actually, so that kind of segues nicely into my next question. Um, so it's not the main plot line of Home, but part of Chris and Andy's conversation is about how Andy hasn't come out to his mother yet. Um, do you think we're getting to the point at all with LGBTQ plus character narratives where the general public will just accept a character's non-heterosexuality as an incidental part of their whole personality? as opposed to sometimes you get the poorly written characters who, whose whole personality is they're gay, that's their character. Do you think we're getting to the point where we can just get over that? Or do you think it's important to still tell coming out stories to make sure that a character's sexuality is explicit and communities feel represented? That was a whale of a question, I know. Yeah, an interesting question, a really exciting question. Because I think this is a question that um, the community, well, the artistic community that is LGBTQ, R-S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z, um, are, are having. Um, I was um, in a writer's circle um, about a month ago in Manchester, and we were talking about this very thing. Um, nowadays, we are seeing gay characters and queer characters sprinkled liberally in everything. You know, you're falling over them um, in every drama, in every TV show. You're just waiting for the gay character to come along. And that's nice, so I've been told, because we've got more role models. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that um, uh, queer people have queer stories and they are not heterosexual stories. Mm -hmm. And their, their relationships and their lives are different and it's been interesting that when my work has been done by um, by sympathetic but straight people, they lose a, a dimension from it that gay and queer people bring to the work. Mm. And that's been really interesting. And that's one of the reasons why I like working with the director of this piece, which is Scott, because he gets my work. Mm. Um, so although I think it's nice that we're getting past that, we do have our own stories. And they are quite unique stories and they're quite unique relationships and unique dynamics. And so therefore, I think that there is a queer theatre out there that needs to happen. I think we, we, we can't just be put into mainstream mm -hmm. and then hope we're happy that we've been, you know, our box has been yeah, ticked. Yeah. I don't like using the word normal, but we've been normalised. And... We, they, we then become invisible. And if we become invisible, then we can be, um, we can be lost. Mm -hmm. I think, personally, sometimes being normalised is dangerous, really dangerous, because we lose our identity, we lose our culture. Um, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with this answer anymore. 
No, I think it's it's important to me that we have our stories. Yeah. And that they are identified as this for us, because I think that all theatre and art are roadmaps for us, how we navigate the 21st century and new things that happen. And the queer community need those roadmaps as well. Mm. Because for a lot of us, it was never talked about at school. It was never part of our growing up. So we need those roadmaps more than anybody because we need to know how to act in these situations. What happens when a relationship breaks up? Because it's not the same as a heterosexual relationship. The dynamics are different. Mm -hmm. And the reasons sometimes are very, very different as well. I think that's it. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic that I mean, I I could listen to you talk for hours, but I will I will leave it there. Um, But thank you again so much for being part of it. So where can people find you? Do you have a website and Twitter, social media? Yes, I'm quite anonymous and I quite like it that way. That's fine. Um, Yeah, if you Google Nick Maynard Writer, then I think you can find me. But but I think that's it. I don't do social media at all. Thunder Theatre that do um wonderful theater in the basement of lost boys pizza parlor um <laughs> they, they they do a month run and uh, one of my pieces called jump is going to be done by uh, by thunder theater so fantastic when's that on um around halloween time brilliant so if you go on thunder theater's website you'll you'll you'll, you'll find them excellent great thank you very much nick thank you The conversations I've had with the writers this season have been fascinating and it has pained me actually to have to cut them down as there were so many good insights. So I hope you don't mind these ones running slightly longer. Don't forget you can find out more information about all the creatives involved in making the podcast through the links in the show notes. So please do go send them some love. The Ragged Scratch podcast brought to you by Ragged Foils Productions was produced and hosted by Natalie Winter. Play edits and sound engineering by Kirsty Gilmore. Episode edits by Natalie Winter. The Ragged Scratch podcast theme music was composed by Alex Jones. You can find us online at Ragged Foils across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I'm going to go steam my throat and I'll see you next week. <laughs>